Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrisvillebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. Two candles, three next week. Keep remembering what those candles mean. You can head back to your seats, boys and girls. You can go back to your chairs. Thank you, Nick and Michelle. You see Nick's a teacher. I wish I had those skills, but he's uh, yeah, amazing to see the kids. Well, it's great to be here for a baptism service. I always love these, uh, the, these services. It's, it's so cool. The only thing that happens, every time we have a baptism service, I get told health and safety, don't fall in, fall in the pool. And I don't know why I keep getting um, told that, except about two and a half years ago, I nearly fell in it. So I keep getting reminded. Well, I'm probably the one who's remembered that. Uh, that's really awesome. Really excited for Jamila and uh, Deborah to be baptized this morning. And uh, just great to have Sandra here, the, the minister at Knox Presbyterian, because Jamila is her granddaughter. So welcome, Sandra. Family today, welcome today. And so it's, it's good to be able to, to do this. Let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you for the joy of this time of year. We remember uh, who Jesus is and what he came to do for us and the hope he has given us because we can trust in him. So we thank you for that, Lord our God. Lord, as we just um, reflect on what baptism is, Father, I pray that you would help me, Lord, to um, uh, speak clearly and um, uh, honor you, Father, in that. We just thank you for this glorious gift and ask that you bless us now, Father, and uh, pray your peace upon Deborah and your peace upon Jamila. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last baptism service, uh, Tom did a fantastic job of showing the effects of what Jesus did for us in, in cleansing us through his blood. And he did that with various chemicals, and that was just really awesome to see. Uh, I'm not going to top that, but this morning, I just want to reflect on, on the why. Why, why, why. And um, it's important. And uh, it's easy for us to, get, for, to forget that in the midst of, of many things going on. But remember, the, the, the word gospel simply means good news. And for there to be good news, there must have been bad news beforehand. And uh, the situation humanity found itself in was a childbirth for our ladies. It's painful. Life is difficult and death is certain. Doesn't sound great, does it? There's not, not much hope in that. But Jesus came along and brought good news. And so we're here this morning, just for a moment, just to reflect on that good news, which is wonderful. Now, Christians often say to people, God loves you. But what does that mean? Sounds very abstract, especially if your life has been marked about by pain, whether self-inflicted, perpetrated by others, or just something that's beyond your circumstances. 
The world often describes love as something emotional, intense, and we hope that it will be lasting. But that permanence often proves an illusion because we end up substituting God and his love for our own idea of love. The one who told us that God is love, the Apostle John, this is what he told us in his letter, his first letter. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love is Jesus came as an atoning sacrifice. You wouldn't find that in a Hallmark uh, romance movie or in a Mills and Boone book as a definition of love. What does an atoning sacrifice mean? Well, that would have been familiar in the first century where they had temples and uh, animal sacrifices, but a bit foreign to us today. But it is an act by which a holy God restores a broken relationship between himself and human beings. It's a sacrifice requiring blood and death. That might sound gory to us, but unlike you and I, God is holy. That means his otherness, the things that makes him different from us. And God demands atonement. Bit of an awful, awkward word, isn't it? But atonement means, um, in one sense, you can be broken down so into, into three, three syllables. At one meant. And we can do that in English. It's a simple truth with profound terms. Though God's atoning so through God's atoning grace and forgiveness, we're restored to a relationship at one meant with God. In spite of our sin, it brings peace, harmony, and permanence. Why we can talk about hope. Sin is an unpopular term today in our society. And our culture has redefined it as often it's bad parenting. Perhaps it's genetic propensities. You were born that way, it's your, your genes. Lack of education or other opportunities. This redefinition gives individuals a license to fill this vacuum by embracing their own set of moral principles that matches their lifestyles. That started in the Garden of Eden and carries on till today. But atonement for sin is at the heart of the gospel, of the good news. Because it is, it is central to having fellowship with a holy God. And yet the gospel is a gracious invitation to find fellowship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. Through Jesus' reconciling work, he came into this world to die, to be buried, and to be raised again. So that we might live eternally with him because of what he did for us. And we need to remember as we ponder these things, it matters what God thinks. We all have our own opinions, but God is our creator. It is his sovereign right. We've talked about sovereignty this morning. His sovereign right to define, we sung about sovereignty, what, what causes a relationship to break down. What defines sin? What defines truth? And so we don't get to make up our own truth. We can do, but sooner or later, it will collapse. If not in this life, it will something that we confront when we die. 
And so it is God's sovereign right to define what love is. And we learn from the scripture that love of others is the hallmark of a Christian life. We can love because we receive God's transforming love, our Father's love into our hearts. And God's love for us has the goal of moral transforming, of transforming our lives. That's how much God loves us. He doesn't want us, want us to stay the same. And when we love as God loves, we put God on display to the world. That's his goal, to show what he's like. One of the themes of the Bible, people of God putting him on display. display. And often we didn't do a good job, but God has been so gracious to us. God's love for us calls us to forgive as Christ forgave us. To love is to treat others rightly because God values them as each of our creator of each of us. To love is to meet the needs of others as we encounter them. One of the challenges of scripture is failure to love is not a neutral thing. When we don't love, we sin. Have you ever thought of that? But thankfully, Jesus is a toning sacrifice for the world. It's universal. Isn't it wonderful? It's open to everyone who would trust Jesus and turn from their old lives. But it has an exclusive faith claim that leaves no room for DIY religion, as one might wish God to be. The Bible tells us no religion can provide a satisfactory atonement before a holy God. Jesus is the only route to eternal life. There is no assurance of salvation outside Christ's atoning sacrifice. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a big claim Jesus made. But it means that a Christian can be confident of acquittal when we trust in him, when we face judgment. That doesn't mean we're innocent. It just means we're not treated as our sins deserve. And this is not Richard speaking. This is Jesus Christ and what he says to us in the witnesses we have in the New Testament. And Deborah and Jamil are not here to give some electoral assent to a tradition this morning or a list of Christian doctrines that they're ticking off or, or something else. They understand the truth of the gospel is about Jesus Christ, whom they know personally. His atonis, atoning sacrifice for their lives, which is becoming embodied in the way they are, the way they act, and the way they're living out as the Holy Spirit changes them. And that's really exciting to see that, to see those changes going on in their lives. And as we think about, about what we're here for this morning, there are four, four key things that Jesus asked us to do if we were going to follow him, if we're going to trust in him. One is baptism, which we're going to do in a moment. Another is the Lord's Supper, which is remembering the key components of baptism. We'll do that shortly. Another is to teach disciple. And many of us here will understand that in our small groups. Another is evangelism, to go and put God on display and tell him what he's done for us. 
And learning about God is a lifelong journey. Everyone is called to share their hope in Jesus. And baptism is an obedience in faith because Jesus said it's important. If you trust him, baptism will be important to you. So what is baptism? It means to be immersed. We have a pool here. Jesus didn't ask us to go into the water uh, for the fun of it, to be a wet witness. It's not his sense of humor. There was purpose behind this. So why be baptized? Well, Jesus was baptized, not because he needed to do so, so, but to show its importance. And Jesus' last words before he ascended, we'll get there at the end of of the Gospel of Matthew uh, in, in a few weeks. Jesus said, therefore, to his disciples, go and make more disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And what hope we have in that, that Jesus promises to be with us to the end of the age because he is alive today. And so baptism is is a personal and public declaration of faith in Jesus' atoning sacrifice for our sins. His mercy in doing that. But he also gives us grace because he offers us eternal life with him. To do so, you need to confess Jesus is Lord of your life. To confess or identify means to treat as the same. And those who identify with the sacrifice of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, tie their lives to him and his work of salvation. Because Jesus identified with us and was treated sinful because of what we did. And so baptism is a faith act to declare our old sinful lives have died. We're now new creations by that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. And by God's grace, we inherit God's riches through Christ as children of God. Jesus says, unless someone is born again, they cannot enter the kingdom. By faith, we can be confident that Jesus' baptism, his victory over death, is now your victory. It's now my victory because of what he did. Baptism is so important, but it's the only the beginning of our new lives. We all instruct our children, don't we? We get them educated, send them to kindies, to school, further education. We teach them how to live, how to relate to others. Well, God says when you be born again, you now need to, to learn how to live in God's kingdom and as part of his family. And discipleship is God's command to educate his children in his ways. And I love it in this church. We're teaching our young ones about Jesus. And we have groups here, small groups, where people up to their 90s meeting, still learning and still growing as we apply Jesus's teachings to our lives it's so beautiful when we see that and that was Jesus' call learn and grow together and genuine belief or faith in Jesus is evidenced by our obedience to what he asks us to do you know all all um 
believers in the New Testament were baptized except one, the thief on the cross. And unless you are, you are nailed to a cross or tied to a cross, give your faith, your heart to Jesus, you can't get down, can you? And you die. Unless you're in those kind of situation, uh, that kind of situation, you can't get baptized. But you're going to go to the Lord, like that thief did. But if you can do, everyone is commanded to be baptized as evidence that we're trusting in Jesus. So they all did. Three parts to baptism to identify what Jesus has done for us. Going down into the water reminds us of his death for us, for you and for me. Being submerged, just recognizing he was buried. We bury our old lives with him. And then immersion, emerging out of the water, is to identify with his resurrection. It's powerful. No magic in the water. This is all about faith in Jesus is why we're doing this. And the power to live a new life by that resurrection is that God promises, Jesus promises to pour his Holy Spirit into our lives. And he's already done that. And we start with seeing that already with Deborah, Jamila, having changes in their lives. And it affirms our guilt has been cleansed, as, G, as Tom showed uh, last time. And there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful promise, what Jesus has given us. And so baptism publicly signifies our old lives have passed away. We have new life in Christ, new creations. That power that raised Jesus on Resurrection Sunday now lives in us. Isn't that wonderful news? What he's done for us. And that's why we can be confident today. And so hallelujah to that. And that's why we're singing God's praises. And so Deborah, Jamila, that power lives in you. We acknowledge that God's immense grace is on you. You're now a new creation. You have a clear conscience from your past. And you are free from condemnation in the present. That's what Jesus has done. That's some of the gifts that Jesus has blessed us with. Gift from him. Grace is undeserved. But it gives us the strength to obey Jesus. And so now we're going to hear from Deborah, and we're going to hear a little bit from Jamila about why they've come here today. Then we're going to bring them up in the water, and they're going to obey Jesus and get baptized. And then they're each going to have a song to sing, and, and then we'll be prayed for. they'll be prayed for uh, by those who are close to them. And there'll be a book out the back for Deborah and one for Jamila, which you can sign, and any scriptures or anything that's on your heart to share, you can do that, and that they can... Um, take that away with them. So I'd like to invite uh, Deborah up first, and then Jamila will come up. Deborah, would you like to come up? I think Julie will come with you. Give Deborah a, a round of, of, of applause. She's a bit nervous. But don't be nervous, Deborah. morning church for those who don't know me my name is Deborah Cooker I just wanted to thank my friends for supporting me today I want to start this special psalm which has been on been an important part of my journey also reading it will help me relax 
is I'm a bit nervous uh, about sharing my story. Mm. The Bible uh, verse is um, Psalms 91, and um, I'll start with those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He is alone. He is alone. He is my alone refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue um, you from every trap, protect you from, every, from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are, are your armor and protection. Uh, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, for the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks darkness, nor the disaster that strikes midday. <clears throat> though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these devils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. You will trample upon, the, upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So moving on to... Um, Have you got my little card? Where's my... Where's the other? Okay. All right, thank you. Excuse me. Life experiences here in New Zealand and overseas gave me a sense there is a, a more to life than I knew. On many occasions, there were times when I felt guided. Most of my days, I was involved indirectly in, in, in attending church until I became, began nursing. I found the patience I gained and solace and peace when receiving prayer from religious leaders. Often there was a presence of peace. This made me think about church and God. Believing he must be a kind, faithful man, I began to understand he would never fail me nor leave me. I had learned to pray. Yet many times I struggled to understand the meaning of the Bible when I read it. Entering the Baptist Church allowed me to develop into a more insightful person and grow in my faith. I can tell you today that Jesus has changed my life. My thinking has changed in Christchurch. Christian friends have uh, gone and come into my life. I have grown as a Christian. I no longer feel guilt and shame for my past. Give glory and thanks to God. So this has led me today being baptized. It's the next step in my life. Because of Jesus' love for me, out of me, people. Thank you for being my witness at this special occasion and declaration of faith this morning. Good morning.
We'll just get to Jamila now to come up and just share her, tes her testimony. Even should sit down for a moment, Deborah. You can. We'll do that because we weren't sure if Sandra would make it here um, before, but she's here. Okay, Jamila. For those who don't know me, um, my name is Jamila. Um, I've been attending the Baptist Youth Group for about three years, and I've just started to come to church here recently leading up to this day. Um, as you all know, I'm here to proclaim my faith and my devotion to Jesus Christ. Um, in the past years, I've always been curious about God and the church, but I've never really stepped forward to continue to learn and create a relationship with Him. I have to admit that my social life has taken away from that curiosity a lot in the future, um, sorry, in the current years, and um, I stopped coming to youth group for a while. That made me quite unhappy, and I often felt lonely or sometimes incomplete because it was often really hard. Um, I turned to other things in my life to fill that sense of longing or unhappiness and that often led me being tired or not feeling like I was enough in life. Um, and one day I was in my room and I was just really upset for no reason at all. So for the first time in my life, I actually wholeheartedly prayed for the first time and I had this sense of calm and I felt like I understood finally what everyone had been talking about. I finally understood and I felt his love for me and I felt like he understood what I was going through. I realized that being at youth in a place where I could express my curiosity freely without judgment made me feel joyful and I became happier in all aspects of my life when I started returning and attending it regularly. Um, and that same day, as I was leaving my room, my grandma walked up to me and asked me, have you asked Jesus to be your savior yet? And I felt in that moment, I actually understood what she was asking me. Because she'd asked me many times. I didn't understand, and that's okay. But I finally felt like I understood in that moment. And especially since I was thinking about Easter camp at that time, I finally felt like I was ready for it. So I would just like to say thank you to my grandma and my granddad for them being in my life. And I just want to say a big thank you to all my friends and leaders at Youth Group um, for how you've helped me through the start of my journey. And yeah, I made the decision to make Jesus in my life and proclaim my faith and my devotion to him. Thank you. Should we give them a round of applause? It's, um, oh, I think it's one of the most exciting things we can witness is, uh, is a baptism, a public declaration of our faith uh, in God. And I think it's just such a privilege for us to, to be able to witness this today with Deborah and Jamila and uh, for them. Uh, for all of us, but for them, a very, very important day in their life. We're just going to take a moment now um, to to share in communion together. And uh, I know we normally take quite a bit of time to do this because this is such an important part of of, of our Christian walk. But um, we, we're going to 
We're going to do this relatively quickly this morning, but that doesn't lessen the importance of what communion is. And uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, there's, there's a few things that, that are really important that Jesus tells us to do. One of them is, is baptism. Another is communion. And, uh, and so this morning, I, I just want to, I don't want to talk too much about it, just to, to reflect on a few things. And, um, and then we will share together. So one of the things that, that we read about is that when we come together and we take communion, it's, 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 there's some really important things, right? So first of all, um, I think what's really, really interesting is uh, the way that particularly Paul talks about it. He talks about it being a proclamation. And when we take communion, when we share together the bread and the wine, we're proclaiming uh, that Jesus died and that he rose again. And as we've seen today in, in symbolism of Jamila and, and, uh, and Deborah going into the water, there's, there's representation as they go into the water and, and come out again transformed. It's, it's a symbol of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And as we take communion, what we're proclaiming to the world, and not just, not just what we can see, but to the spiritual world as well, is is that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And not just uh, as, as an amazing feat, but there was something else that happened there that was incredibly important that we know, was that he is our Savior. He died for us, that he washed away the sin in our lives when we call him our Lord and Savior. And so when we talk about proclaiming, when we take this, we're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Does that make sense? I know this isn't new. <laughs> We talk about remembrance, and Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And uh, I just encourage you today, um, we're going to take this shortly, but let's carry on this idea of remembrance as we share tea and coffee and, and have conversation afterwards. How about set yourself the challenge of sharing the things that Christ has been doing in your life in this last week, this last year, sharing the testimony, the story of what God has done in your life. As we, as we see this incredible witness today, how about we recall the times when, when we've been baptized? Hopefully that was just once. Um, but recall the time when we've been baptized and share our stories in remembering what Christ has done. But at the same time, it's important that we anticipate his return. Because as, uh, as Nick, <laughs> isn't he good? good? Talked about hope last week. We have an incredible hope of, of an eternity that's yet to come, of an eternity with our, with our Lord, with our Savior, without pain, without suffering, and glory with our heavenly creator. And so part of this process of taking communion is anticipating what is to come as well. Isn't it a beautiful thing that the Lord has given us? Yeah? There's one other thing that I think, well, there's, there's a number of things, but this morning that I think is really important. And that's that we come to take communion prepared. And uh, I just encourage you, shortly I'm going to give a bit of a space, but if there are things in your life, I'll encourage all of us to, to take time to repent, to ask the Lord to search our hearts as David did in, uh, I think it's Psalm 51, no, it's later on, but where, where David prays, search my heart, O God, and reveal any offensive way within me. Just take, for us to take time to seek the Lord and to lay before him the things in our lives that we, are, we know are not right. 
And with that, if there are people in your lives that you know that you've got grievances with, if there's unforgiveness, if there's hurt, is to bring that before the Lord and surrender it to Him. I think it's really important that when we come to acknowledge, uh, to, to, to proclaim the Lord's death and to remember Him, if we can't bring those things before Him, in a way we're saying that we don't fully remember what He's done or we don't receive what He's done. So all of those pains, all of those things that we carry, He died for those things. And so when we take communion, it's an opportunity for us to lay that down before Him. Is that okay? I just want to read to you something um, out of, from Derek Prince because he's far more educated than I'll ever be. Although we, I have put people to sleep with my voice. I used to fall asleep to Derek Prince every time, I think. Has anyone done the Derek Prince um, in the morning? Has anyone listened to Derek Prince in the morning? Well, used to at least when, radio, when he was on Radio Rima. Terrible um, snooze button, I just always fall asleep. He's got one of those voices. But fantastic message. I shouldn't have said any of that. He says this, Derek Prince says, As you think about approaching the Lord's table, are there any attitudes in your heart for which you need to repent? Is there anybody that you hate? Anybody you have not forgiven? Are you struggling with God himself? Those issues need to be resolved. So why don't we deal with all these matters now in prayer? How about we take time to ask God to begin to prepare our hearts right now? And so I'm, I'm going to ask um, in a moment for, for Howard and the team to continue. Perhaps, um, if you don't mind, Bridget, sorry, throwing this on you, just, just to have some music for a few moments so we can take time to pray. And then I'd ask in your own time, for those who do have a relationship with Jesus, to, to take the emblems and to... to um, to take the bread and to take the wine. And let me just read to you from, um, from Luke. It says, When Jesus had taken the bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So what I'd ask is, is while, while Bridget leads us, uh, just with some music, to take time to pray. Come before the Lord. Ask Him for forgiveness and things. Bring things before Him. And then just take a moment to remember. To remember all that He has done. To thank Him. To proclaim His death, that He is your Lord and your Savior. And uh, you might even take a moment there to praise Him in the anticipation of his return and our eternity in heaven. If you if you don't have one of these, um, you feel free to put your hand up and, and Duncan will bring one to you. They are a little bit complicated. There's two little things that you've got to pull off, but you're all intelligent people. I'm sure you'll figure it out. Okay, is that okay? Um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we stand this morning and we give you praise and thanks for, for Deborah for Jamila and uh, the incredible decision they've made today, Lord. And as excited as we are here, Lord, I, I can't even begin to imagine the celebration that uh, that is happening in heaven right now. Just the joy of seeing those souls come before you. And Lord, as we stop and we take time to, to remember you as we partake in communion, as we take this bread which represents your body that was broken for us, 
and this, this juice that represents your blood that was poured out upon the cross so that we might have a chance to have a restoration with the Father. That beautiful word that Richard talked about this morning about atonement. Lord, we just thank you so much. And Father, as we take time now to, to pray and put before you anything in our life that is not right, Lord, we ask, as David did, that you would reveal any offensive way within us, anything that would come between us and you, anything that is not right, any, any relationship or feeling or thought or trauma, anything that's there that, that needs to be brought before you, Lord. We pray that you give us the courage, the wisdom, and the discernment and how to lay that before your feet.